mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. And on this day, Lord, when we consider the fruit of the Spirit and the gifting of the Spirit, transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am intrigued by things that use power and how some of those things can be metaphors for the Christian life. I read one such quote just yesterday afternoon that said this, Faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. Most of us in this room use Wi-Fi. So the next time that you plug into Wi-Fi for your phone, laptop, tablet, or computer to hook into the internet, to hook into what you need, remember that just like Wi-Fi, faith, though invisible, has the power to connect you to what you need. Today we celebrate the move of something invisible but powerful in the life of the church. Today we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised um, prior to his death that he would send a comforter, an advocate, a guide to be with us always. In the Bible, we see this gift of the Holy Spirit initially show up in two distinct ways. So in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is gifted to the body of believers gathered in a locked room on Resurrection Day. Jesus appears and he says, Peace be with you. As my Father sends me, so I send you. And he breathes on them. And he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's a holy moment. One that gives me goosebumps every time I read it or every time I think about it. Because don't you see that where there is breath, there is life? The breath of the resurrected Jesus Christ is the life force of the church. In John, the church is birthed by Jesus himself, breathing the Holy Spirit onto people. It's a quiet thing, powerful, but quiet. In the book of Acts, we have a very different telling of the coming of the Holy Spirit. What was in John, a simple breath, a gentle exhale. And Acts becomes the rush of a violent wind. Tongues as of fire rest on the disciples of Jesus, and they begin to speak in the languages that the assembled people understand. It's a powerful moment, not because of the wind not because of the tongues of fire. It is a powerful moment because in that moment, every single person gathered hears the good news of Jesus Christ in their own language. The good news of Jesus Christ isn't something that is meant to be kept secret. Christianity isn't some social club. It's not an elite thing. Christianity is something that is for everybody because Jesus died once and for all for the forgiveness of sins of anyone who comes to believe. Today, we celebrate the birth of the worldwide church as recorded in Acts. 
It's why we use red pyramids on the altar, and it is why I use a red stole depicting the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is on this side. Um, depicting the Holy Spirit, right? So happy birthday to the worldwide church today. Every year on Pentecost Day, we hear this scripture. It is an amazing story. It describes a holy moment, one that also gives me goosebumps every time I read about it and every time that I hear it. It is good for us to know the story. Here's the thing, though. That story is simply the beginning. Now, people much more wise than I decided that this scripture from Acts should be paired with the passage from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, which I just read. And so on this Pentecost day, I want us to play a little bit with now what? Right? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit was gifted to the people in such a grand way? What is the Holy Spirit? And how do we know that the Holy Spirit is within each and every single one of us? If you've ever been confused by the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. If I could raise both of them, I would. Right? The Holy Spirit can be a confusing thing. For a few weeks now, we have been reading from the letter to the Galatians. The main debate going on has one to do with identity. What does it mean for non-Jewish people to become believers, and how do we know that they actually are believers? The conversation basically went like this. There was a group of people saying that to be Christian, you had to be like a proper Jewish person. Because Christianity was a sect of the Jewish tradition. Jesus was Jewish. It makes sense that if you're going to follow Jesus, you would follow the traditions that he followed. Except here's the thing. Jesus changed everything. We no longer have a checklist for salvation because we have been saved through Jesus Christ. What we have is grace. And upon his death and resurrection, on Resurrection Day and on Pentecost Day, we were gifted with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is this wonderful mystery that abides with us and in us and works through us. What I love about both stories is that the Holy Spirit is both quiet and unassuming, like that breath, but also at the same time loud and delightfully mischievous. And we'll do whatever necessary to get our attention. And don't you know that on Pentecost Day, with all of those people gathered from all over the known world, the Holy Spirit had to do something big to get everyone's attention. But the question remains, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is in us? Well, the answer is simple. Here's the thing. All we have to do is look at our behavior. Paul sets forth a rather lengthy list. If you do these certain things, then you are doing things that are opposed to life in the spirit. So here we go. He says, now the works of flesh are obvious. And then he lets people have it. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, in case whatever it is that you're doing that's bad isn't covered already. Right? 
I'm warning you, as I have warned you before, he says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do any of these things, and you are, in that moment, not living in the Spirit. Do any of those things, and in that moment, the Spirit is not within you. At some point, it happens to all of us because we are human, right? We are not perfect. God understands, but God also wants us to do the work to become better people and better witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now, I have to tell you that I sometimes struggle with the interpretation that some people give of this list because it has been used to cause harm. I don't think scripture is ever meant to cause harm to people. Some people like to take only certain behaviors that they deem really bad and talk about those, particularly as they relate to sexual immorality and sexual orientation. And here's what I want to say about that. If you are sexually behaving in such a way that brings another human being harm, then you are doing wrong. This list is not talking about loving, committed relationships. It's not a debate on human sexuality. It's not a debate on sexual orientation. It is a simple fact. If you are sexually causing somebody else harm, then you are doing wrong. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't take this moment to share that tidbit. Here's the thing, though. Sexual immorality in the eyes of God is equal with everything else on this list with lying and cheating and stealing and drinking to the extreme and causing fights among people and being angry and being jealous and killing people. And the list could go on and on and on. So here's the thing. If it is sin, if it is something that is separating you from God and causing harm to others, then it is equal. Sin is equal in the eyes of God. Don't just take the behaviors that you happen to think are particularly wrong and focus just on those. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. Whenever we engage in any of these behaviors that don't give life or that are unloving, then we are sinning. We are living life in the flesh, not in the spirit. And at the end of the day, all of us, myself included, every single one of us is a sinner. But the good news is this. There is grace and forgiveness because of Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God. And because of grace, we actually do know how to behave. And thanks be to God for Paul, who then gives us this list of the fruit of the Spirit. When we allow these characteristics to come alive in us, then we are living life in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us and working through us. After giving the list of the bad, and mind you, when we like to memorize the fruit of the Spirit, we often don't memorize the bad list. How many of you have the bad list memorized, right? Like, we all memorize the fruit of the Spirit. But he continues, right? Paul says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There is no law against such things. If you are doing these, you are doing good. The Spirit is in you, and the Spirit is working through you. 
you want to make sure that the Spirit is in you, practice these things. And some of them really do take practice. Right? Patience is listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. I just told Debbie this morning that I'm not a very patient person. I have to practice patience every single day. And I'm still not very good at it. And I'm 38, almost 39. Right? So some of these actually take practice. They take discipline. They take prayer. They take reading the scriptures and discussing with trusted soul friends. If you want to be a good witness for Jesus Christ, then do these things. When you do these things, you're living life in the Spirit, and the Spirit is abiding in you. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy to be loving and patient when somebody is getting on your last nerve, right? It's not easy to find joy when your world has been touched by cancer or illness or death. It is hard to be kind to somebody when they are being a bully. It's hard to be a peacemaker when tensions are running high between you and others or the group of people that you happen to be hanging out with. It's hard to be generous when the person in front of you who's asking for help doesn't seem to want to do the hard work to do for themselves. It's hard to be faithful when the crowd that you're hanging with isn't being faithful. So maybe we need to take inventory of our friends. It's hard to be gentle when it just honestly would be so much easier to just slap some sense into somebody, right? It's hard. It's hard to practice self-control when your favorite food or candy or thing is right in front of your face. It's hard. I know it's hard, but not impossible. And here's the thing. Your witness becomes so much more powerful when your actions actually line up with what you say you believe. I've quoted Brennan Manning before, and I will quote him again. Um, He said this, the greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. If you want to be a powerful witness for Christ, then behave in a Christ-like way, in ways that are loving, and always lift up other people and give other people hope. Shine your light. I began by saying that I love images of, um, that remind us of what the Christian life is like. One such image is that of a flashlight. Right? A flashlight is a small thing. It is unassuming. It's unassuming, that is, until the electricity goes out and your house is pitch black right smack in the middle of a thunderstorm and you're trying to find your way around, right? That one little thing shines a whole lot of light (coughs) so that you can see, so that we can see what was previously hidden in the dark. Likewise, when we are living by the Spirit, we too bring forth a lot of light. We are meant to be light. We read about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. We are meant to be light, to be a city on a hill, to shine our light. We all know the little song, right? Not hide it under a bushel. And when we shine with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, those in the dark can see. They see something different within us, They see the Holy Spirit, 
and seeing the Holy Spirit, they see Christ. Both the day in that locked room on Resurrection Day and the day of Pentecost celebrate the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Today we celebrate the birth of the worldwide church and the way it spread all the way around the world, down the generations, on to us. Today, may we be reminded what a gift that it is. And may we go and preach Jesus through our actions, and if necessary, use words. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And now we will move to a moment of silence and reflection. rise for the response to the word it is the apostles creed it can be found in your red hymnal on page 881 I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who is conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried on the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Father, most gracious God, thank you for this congregation, and thank you, Father, for the many blessings that they bring through you. Amen. Mm -hmm. 